0: Hi guys, this is Albert, and I'm here with John today. Hello! And we wanted to do our first episode. Well, I guess it's our second. We already did an introduction, a little bit about us. But one subject I recently got out—I <laughs> recently got asked by uh, one of my younger brothers. He's uh, getting out of the military and was asking about what kind of jobs are out there. And I felt like this would be a good subject to uh, talk about because some people think blue collar is just construction or just a truck driver or just a janitor, whatever it may be. But there's actually a lot of different jobs out there. And I know when I was in high school, I knew I knew what I knew. Yeah, you know? And they're
1: also hiring everywhere nowadays.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of hiring going on. And I've, this would be a great episode to kind of talk about a little more specifically what jobs are out there, what jobs you might
1: be interested in,
0: what jobs maybe I think you should stay away from
1: word on that yeah um i mean anywhere from driving a truck operating equipment being com- starting even starting in, uh, as like a entry-level laborer um for my type of work i started out environmental so i started swinging sledgehammers and pounding wooden stakes in the ground so <laughs> you can always start there
0: <laughs> yeah there's a a lot of jobs are going to start that way and hopefully with this episode uh this might be a little more orientated towards the younger crowd, but even maybe if you've been in a job for a while and you want to think about pursuing something different and
1: yeah, even if you want to get outside a little bit.
0: Yeah. Um, so I guess to start, what do you, uh, what do you do right now, John, besides, you know, environmental work? Like what is your job? What do you do every day?
1: Um, so on paper I'm, I I'm limited or I'm sorry, I'm labeled as a foreman and it took me a while to get there. Uh, It takes all, obviously you have to be a little bit more grown up to do that. You can't just, obviously age isn't really much of a factor, but you need to be mature. That's the biggest thing for that kind of, I guess, label. But for, as a foreman, for me, you have to be able to manage crews on on a daily, but also plan ahead, plan days, if not weeks ahead. And then also on top of that, Plan for your first plan to fail because we all know life's going to happen. A customer or client is going to call you and completely throw a curveball in your plans or another teammate from another job is going to call you saying they need help. Someone called in sick and they need to take so-and-so from your crew and now you have to improvise. So I've learned throughout the years to always be on on my toes, ready for everything to completely change and just ready to adapt and overcome because i definitely live by the adapt overcome and improvise type of thing because you never know when you're going to get that phone call but the current job i am working on is kind of i don't know how it falls underneath a foreman but it still kind of does. so i'm working on a housing development but i'm watering trees so it's very it sounds super simple and it is but at the same time You have to manage trees, make sure everything's not dying, make sure everything's living. You know, you have a a set routine, make sure the customer's happy. If they move stuff, you have to know where it's at. And then also at the same time, I get called off to go do other things. So I work for an environmental company that we do a bunch of environmental work, civil construction, truck driving, having my CDL, I get pulled off to go haul random pieces of equipment. I'm not the biggest fan of a semi, but I can drive it. I don't like to drive semi because I'm not a fan of traffic and I know other drivers are not fair on the road. <laughs> yeah. To say the least. They they will cut you off and not care about you, which I don't care. I don't like because I could be the safest driver in the world and all it takes is one dummy in a rav four to pull in front of me, slam on their brakes. And then my semi, I'm now the one that kills them. Oh yeah. But
0: so, so- Uh, and you're in, in the company you work for now, let's say someone came to you and said, Hey, I'm about to be hired onto your company as a laborer on, let's say a traveling crew. Mm -hmm. What
1: am I going to be doing? You obviously it depends on the job because we do so many things, not very much pipeline. They we've can over the years, we slowly started working in solar. So we do a lot of dirt work for them. Um, We have environmental such as stormwater management, which it would be making sure sediment doesn't run off into areas. It doesn't need to. We want to make sure all of the dirt, soil and everything stays on the property of the actual construction site and not going out of bounds, out of off the property limits. So you have silt fence, you have riprap inlet and outlet protections you have. So, So
0: hold on. What is, uh, <laughs> I mean, I know what you're talking about, but somebody might not. What is silt fence and what does that
1: entail? So silt fence, it's a fabric. It's, it's harder to describe the fabric, but it's more like plastic. It's woven together. It's meant to be used as a containment device. And they also use it as boundaries. You'll put it around the perimeter of the property. So you can see a very clear definition of the property line. And obviously when it rains or snows or anything, it'll help keep all of the debris and dirt that's on the property on the property and it won't wash over. And what's the laborer get to do? He gets to <laughs> either dig a trench by hand, or he gets lucky enough to have a skid steer or some sort of trenching device to dig the trench. And then you install the silt fence with sledgehammers because every 10 feet you have a post that a wooden post that you then have to pound into the ground. And some of the silt fence comes in, in 100 foot rolls with the stakes already on it stapled or you can get the three to 500 foot rolls if not a thousand foot rolls that have no stakes and then you have to go through pound everything in make sure it's tight and staple it in yourself so it is tedious tons of fun (laughs) it's it's a lot of work we've had people be on silt fence crews down in the middle of swamps in Georgia trying to install property, silt fence on solar farms. And they were up to knee high mud every day, all day.
0: Yeah. See, and this is what I'm getting at. Uh, you know, a lot of people, they, they hear that term, uh, labor and they, they don't know what to think. Cause obviously every company is a little different. I've worked for the company you currently work for. And I know my first day as a truck driver, <laughs> I got to go lay sod, at someone's house.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I've, I've definitely, see, uh, I've, I've met a lot of people and then there's also the people, I'm just going to use the term welder for an example because welders want to do nothing but weld and they will complain or just drag up and leave if they're asked to do anything else. Yeah.
0: I'll throw a disclaimer in there. I'll say about one out of every hundred welders is really cool. But yep. the other 99... You know, you guys know what you do. You, you know what you're there for. And you, most of guys, they don't want to go outside of that scope of work. Yeah. Um, the welders are an interesting bunch. Um, yeah, definitely. <laughs> I just want to throw out <laughs> a disclaimer because I actually did get, I did get the pleasure to work with a handful of really cool welders, but I definitely got to work with a lot of, um come knock on my window when it's time to lay a bead mm-hmm. and no i'm not picking up that piece of wood to move it out of my way go get someone to do it for me
1: yeah and i've also worked with a bunch of operators that have complained you know i gotta go lay solder i have to go help pick up trash You're like it's either that or you go home and not get paid for the day because we don't have anything for you to currently do yeah
0: and that, that's a choice everyone has to make um so I guess yeah we'll get we'll get back to the actual scope of work that you're talking about. So in that reclamation world, a, a laborer you're saying you know if if you're told you're going to be a laborer, you're going to expect to. You know, you're not going to be sitting in a piece of equipment all day. You're not going to get a, sit in a pickup and drive around all day. You're going to be, you know, using your hands, walking around a job site, picking up heavy things, moving rocks from one spot yeah. to another, yep. digging a trench with a shovel, stuff like that.
1: Yeah, and there's always going to be that, that lucky person that gets to sit in a pickup or if you are on um – overhead watch if there's power lines and you need a spotter you get a stand in one spot by the flagpoles that are marked where the electric lines are and when the piece of equipment comes over you have to make sure they stay within a certain 10 foot radius or whatever or you have to blow an air horn yeah or so, you get to be a gate opener
0: exactly so although it may be monotonous type of work it can actually be super important too
1: yeah it, they've, they've definitely safety's cracked down over the last at least decade it's changed tremendously but at the same time being a laborer you also have the opportunity to be all over the job site talk to a lot of different people and then if you are ambitious you can try and jump in a skid steer a forklift or a backhoe and learn especially if you want to stay late at the at the end of the day i'm sure there's plenty of people on the job site that will help teach you and train you because If that person in the backhoe teaches you, it also helps them out because then you become their replacement so they can become the next spot that they want to go to.
0: Yeah, I'll agree with that. That's uh, You know, I've always been pretty good with the equipment. I'm I'm a pretty good learner. I'm really quick when it comes to that type of stuff. Uh, Just, I guess, a natural talent I had, but I was always started as a truck driver most of the time and that's actually kind of how i really learned um on the previous podcast when i talked about running the mini x and digging holes around high pressure gas lines and electrical cables and water lines and sprinkler systems and all this Mm -hmm. stuff you don't want to tear up that was actually when i was i was hired as a truck driver so i was basically had to drive my operator around and be his little minion while he was digging and working and <laughs> get him tough. And then I would splice the conduit we were laying and then I'd crawl out of the hole, get back in the truck and drive him to the next hole. Yep. And that's actually how I started was kind of how you're talking about a labor, being a little ambitious and just kind of hanging around and being kind of annoying.
1: Yeah, so, you want to be the fly on the wall, getting ready to ask questions.
0: Yeah, so he would jump out and dig a hole, and then I would bug him and bug him and bug him, and he'd be like, fine, you can backfill the hole now. Yeah. So he wouldn't let me dig it, but I could backfill it. Yeah. And then pretty soon it was, you know, oh, you can load all the material into the trailer off the ground. Okay, yeah. cool. So now I get to do that. And then not long after that, it was... Hey, there's nothing around here. This is a wide open area. You can dig this hole and backfill it. And I'm going to go sit in the truck and text on my phone. Yeah. So the whole help. You helping
1: yourself will help them too. He gets to take it easy and all he's got to do is make sure you don't break nothing. Yep. And then yeah. at the same time, both of you look good because one person's learning and the other person's technically becoming a mentor. Yep.
0: And that's, that's the natural transition of things, especially when you're starting basically towards the bottom.
1: I was, a, I was a laborer with the CDL is what I was. Yeah. But all, at the same time, don't become that laborer that won't help your labor crew because you're too focused on becoming the operator. You also need a it's a, it's a balance you need to have. Oh yeah, definitely. I've I've
0: seen those guys too. The guys that are so up an operator's ass that they forget what their actual job is. Yeah. And then next thing you know, they're on the shit list because they don't actually do what they were supposed yeah, to
1: do. Yeah, you didn't get the 3,000 foot of silt fence put in because your helper was sucking some other dude. <laughs> yeah, that's a nice way to put it.
0: So I'll, I'll, another interesting aspect I'll ask you that I know a little bit about your company, Um Say, say another guy comes in and says, Hey, I just got hired to be an equipment operator. Cause I know going to your company, a lot of guys will go there running what they like to call yellow iron and they go over to your company <laughs> to be an equipment <laughs> operator. And the first thing they see is a big John Deere tractor with a seed drill on it. Yeah. Like I remember the first time they told me to go pick up a drill. I sat around looking for a auger attachment for about 25 minutes before I was explained what a seed drill is.
1: Yeah, so, that's, that's funny. When, because we, we do civil work now, which we've made that transition in the past few years, so we have a big civil division, but on the environmental side, when you're, just, when you're hired in, you're just told to be an equipment operator, that's a very bold blanket statement because you can become a skidster operator, you can become an excavator operator, dozer, tractor operator, because I can run the shit out of a John Deere 6150. I I learned how to run that well, which way wait, wait. which is what What's a John Deere 6150 It's a size of tractor so the first letter 6 is the series so it's basically the size and then the, the 150 means that's how much horsepower it has and then they have letters afterwards that then determine like the package this you know a certain model style
0: yeah so what you're saying is if someone says i need you to come operate a john deere don't expect to see an excavator necessarily
1: yeah because you might get thrown into a big green farm tractor (laughs) and then we have all sorts of seating equipment such as your drill seater that you were talking about which if you don't know what it is it's very fun to explain to somebody (laughs) and then all the other equipment that goes to prepping the ground to then seed it and then covering it and protecting it but then like i said you also have excavators dozers and all sorts of stuff like that
0: yeah so that that that's a good you know good thing to know on that you know that's one one blue collar industry just that environmental you go to a company that says they do environmental work and you're going to be operating equipment you might expect to walk up to a dozer and you're going to be walking up to a big giant grain tractor
1: yeah and with environmental it's there's a lot to it like it's just not one thing environmental can cover a, a you know a spill some sort of liquid spill it could be say a directional drilling had a frac out and it's now leaking somewhere and you have to go contain it and clean stuff up it could be protecting a slope that just got like on the pipeline, when pipelines finished and they cover everything back up, it's now just a bare right away of dirt. And you now have to cover it and stabilize it. So and when it comes to environmental, it's a very diverse industry.
0: And we're back. Sorry about that.
1: <laughs> so uh, where were we? It, uh, it's just very diverse. You never know what you'll get out of it because like I, I was on a solar farm earlier in the year and doing storm water management and I would con- constantly, after rainstorms, it would be stuff washed away, I need to go fix it. A pond is full, the pump isn't working to clean out the retention pond. There's washing, I have to go fix reeling in. So you get to, the, the working environment, you get to definitely do a lot of different things. So if you want to become just a dozer operator, you might want to find something where you can start small, maybe like a skid steer, or if you get the opportunity to go work under somebody for skids for a dozer, that's definitely a route to go. Definitely. So
0: there's a one small scope of work, um, on the environmental side. What other jobs do you think maybe on you? You're in your environmental side. Do you think most people wouldn't know exist? Like, uh, like I was saying in the in when I started a uh, few minutes ago, if someone came to you and said, "Hey, you know, I want to work with my hands. I want to work outside. What kind of job is there for me? There is is it just
1: is it two options? Labor operator or what else is there?" Oh, uh, I mean, yeah, it comes down to that. But also, if you have your CDL, um, that helps because everything needs to be moved around. We need. When parts break or you need a, tra- you know, basical, basical. <laughs> <laughs> when you need something moved and you need a CDL, that always helps. So, any th- so a truck driver. Yeah, a truck driver. And all that can be a semi, that could be a pickup with a trailer. What about, uh, you
0: know, mechanics?
1: If you're good with your hands, yes. Because sometimes I've been in areas where you don't get the opportunity to take your pieces of equipment into a shop. You get to work out, work on it out in the middle of the field in the elements. So have tarps, have buckets, wrenches, and plenty of curse words in your back pocket.
0: <laughs> okay, but it, say a younger guy came to you and said, hey, I want to be a mechanic. Um, is, is your company a place I should apply? Or do you think an environmental place is more of a, like, hey, if you only want to turn wrenches, you should go look at it like a shop, not necessarily a construction company.
1: Well, they, it dep- definitely depends on the business. Like for our the company I work for, we do have a shop where we have a dedicated team to work on our equipment. So they get to work on everything. They get to work on pickups. They get to work on tractors, skidsters, semis. Anything that we have gets worked on. And if we can't work on it, then it goes to, say, a dealership. So it's definitely a place to start if you want to be be able to work on very different types of equipment but if you want to work on like a certain like just gmcs you probably don't want to start at a gmc dealership
0: gotcha so i guess since we covered where you're currently at what are some other things you know that uh, what are some jobs out there that you would tell people off the top of your head like you know like i said uh, a 17 year old kid he's about to graduate and he Knows he doesn't want to go to college. Um, or maybe he does, but he's got a year or two before he's going. And he says, I, I need to make some money. I want to make some good money. I want to, you know, I don't want to go work fast food. I don't want to go work at Target or Walmart. Yeah. Uh, what, are, what are some jobs, even if they're not related to your environmental experience,
1: what are some jobs you'd say, well, go, go look at this, go look at that? So first questions for almost any any place now is can you pass a drug test even in colorado and basically anywhere in the u.s you can have you can smoke marijuana but you still have to be able to pass pass a clean drug test um are you willing to work long hours what's your background um obviously we live in a farming community so a lot of people can drive some sort of equipment and then there's all there's like I said, I work on a housing development. So you can go apply there because there's framers, water, uh, water people, uh, civil work. There's plumbers, electricians. There's all sorts of places like that. So any sort of construction site, if you see road work, stop by. And if you're just walking up, ask for the foreman, ask for the boss or ask where I can apply. Um, I, I would add to that. If you're doing that,
0: because I've, I've never been that guy. I've usually had friends that are like, hey, we're hiring. Come over yeah. here. That's probably how I got 95% of my jobs. Um, I would say if you are trying, from my experience of being the guy that's getting asked that on a job site, keep it short and sweet, guys. Go up there and say, hey, I'm looking for a job. Are you guys hiring? and who do i need to talk to yeah. and then get the answers
1: and say thanks and then go do what they told you to yeah, do exactly and then like you said when you ask your friends it's all it's all a big networking thing like like we've been like we've talked about oil and gas because it's just a giant family for the oil and gas world oh, yeah. so when you when you pipeline you know you, you know frank you know john and bob and you because you've worked on them you worked with them on a job in west virginia 7 years ago so you know them and it's yeah. just word of mouth oh i know this great operator i know this great labor and then boom you get a phone call so networking, in a sense, asking your friends, and then we have so many outlets online to find a job. If you can't find anything in person.
0: Oh, yeah. And as nerdy as it is, guys, Indeed is a great place. That place, a lot of, you know, the, the foreman's not posting on there, but a, a company's hiring uh, management team is going to be posting on there, and they're going to be the ones that want to bring you in for interviews. I know, <clears throat> you know, about eight, nine years ago, when I worked for the company you worked for now, Um, I didn't want to ask for people to get me hooked up. You know, I, I kind of asked my friends that I knew worked there, like, Hey, who do I need to talk to? Um, and I still had to put in an app and even then I called every week and then for about two weeks and on the third week I called every day until they said, yeah, come (laughs) in for an
1: interview. Yeah. It's, it's about persistence. Obviously if you're going to fill out an application, you don't wait for them because obviously you don't care for the job that much. If you want to go out and make money, be ambitious and go after it
0: yep and that i guess that's just a short and sweet on getting hired i just like to tell people because i've been on job sites where guys come up and they want to talk to me about their entire resume and their last 57 years
1: of experience and i'm like
0: dude call my boss
1: here's his number yeah and the way the world is now with how they'll they'll hire damn near anyone
0: oh yeah especially you know in these industries we're talking about they're shorthanded i think i read somewhere that we're over uh I think it was like, they're expecting a shortage of over a million blue, quote unquote, blue collar workers in the next few years, because so many people were told to go to college and get degrees. And so many people, um, I feel like kind of like one of my younger brothers, they don't even know where to look. You know, Mm -hmm. he he went straight out of high school, straight in the military. Um, he's thinking the military is not something he wants to do long term. Um, He's not sure if he's going to re up when his uh, four years or whatever are over. So he, he was bugging me and he's clueless. He literally like, what should I do? And I'm like, well, what do you like to do? He goes, well, I I just want to make a good paycheck. And I'm like, well, there's a lot of different routes you can take. Do you want a career? Do you want a good job? Like, um, or yeah, or you just want to make money until you figure it out. Exactly. And I, and those, those answers go a lot of places, but I guess we'll get back to the main point of the subject. Um, I I could talk a little bit about what I specifically do. Um, So I'm a truck driver. I've had my CDL since I was 21, and that's kind of been my foot in the door everywhere I've went. As soon as I see a CDL, you're hired. Um, I've even tried to hide it a few times.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I don't don't like broadcasting that I have that because I don't like driving a semi. (laughs) Yeah, when I
0: was going down the operating equipment road, that was... uh, I, you know, I had one company that didn't even know I had it until my first day there and they needed a copy of my license. Like, oh, you didn't say you had this I was <laughs> like,
1: Well, like, because I don't want to drive. And a lot of times it could get you an extra dollar or two yep. on your pay rate.
0: Absolutely. I mean, when I was talking about how I got into operating initially, that was, I was a high paid laborer because I had a CDL and all yep. the other laborers would lucky to have a driver's license, period.
1: Yep. Yeah. And if you can haul the equipment that you run, it's also a huge plus. So I
0: guess that'd be a good piece of advice. Um, get your CDL, guys. It's it's not hard. You can well, do it multiple different ways. Even in, So you can get a restricted Class A, which is no air brakes, and you can still drive like an F550 with a gooseneck trailer. That is even valuable to a lot of companies.
1: Yeah. Well, I've also I learned in the previous months, because obviously we've had our CDLs for a long time, and laws have changed. A it's a lot different to get it today than it is when you and I got it. Yeah. You now have to go to a school for, I think it's like three weeks. Oh yeah. And now do a bunch of testing. Now it's mandatory. When I got mine, I
0: worked for Omega Corporation. So they, they sent me to it. Um, and after about two days there, that guy's like, you're good. Do whatever you want for the next week and a half. Yeah. Um,
1: he took me on my road
0: test and was like, why are you even here? And yeah. I, you know, but yeah, cause,
1: I, I mean, a few years ago it was just go to the DMV, do your computer testing for your permit. And then if you already knew how to do, drive a truck, you just go get an appointment and take your class, take your test yep. to actually drive. Now you have to take X amount of hours class yeah. to get it. So that would, I would actually highly
0: recommend that, you know, get get your CDL. Uh, if, you, if you can get a class A with air brakes and everything on it, just get it. Even if that's not your big long-term plan, it could really come in handy or even a restricted class A. Um, i tell people personally, don't bother with a class B. It's pretty much the same exact test and less ability to do work later down the road. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm currently a truck driver. I own a hotshot trucking company and I drive those trucks I was just talking about. I drive, uh, we have two one tons with 40 foot gooseneck trailers and we haul stuff that fits on my 40 foot trailers. Um,
1: and you haul anything? Or if, it it, or- it, if it fits, it ships, bud. <laughs> um,
0: I have I have preferences for sure. Uh, we we Hotshot was the... Okay, I guess we'll dive into this a little. Hotshot is a industry or a type of job you might hear about. And years ago, it was all about getting something somewhere fast. Mm-hmm. And really what that meant is flying under the radar. And being that the barrier to entry to starting a hotshot business was so low a lot of guys got into it and they started crunching down on us a lot necessarily so there's a lot of guys out there doing some really reckless shit um i don't agree with every rule and regulation they put on us but when i see (laughs) some of the stuff i see on the road i mean people are just begging for it so if you're looking at a job and they say you're going to be a hotshot driver i would say you should be expecting to drive a one-ton Maybe a three-quarter ton, but most likely a one-ton or larger pickup truck with some type of gooseneck trailer. Or these days, there's a lot of car haulers doing that. That's still going to require a Class A CDL. Because it's a, what
1: what determines a Class a, a, Class B weights?
0: Uh, no. Yeah, yes and no. So a Class A right now, if your GVWR, which is your sticker weights, which is the combination of your truck maximum vehicle weight rating with your trailers vehicle weight rating is over 26001 you need a see la um class b is a non-combination generally so it's like a dump truck or a street sweeper like a van trailer yeah um or box truck yeah uh but like i say i tell people just get your class a it's the you're really your only difference is a, like a one three page test at the DMV. So if you go for your class B, you're g- you have to go through all the same hoops, and you just end up with the ability to drive less. Um, so that's that's what hotshot truck. If you're looking at a job and they say hotshot, that's what you could expect. Um, and it is a lot different than from driving a full size truck, which I did for many years before I even did the hotshot thing. Um, and that, that, so. I guess the short and sweet of that is, you know, truck
1: driving is always a job that there's always a need for somewhere. There's no shortage. So almost like a hot shot would just be like, I need, I need to get this from Colorado to New York. Let me call this person and they'll come pick it up and move it for me.
0: That's, yeah, that's generally what it is. So what it's kind of evolved into now is loads that are, they don't take up a whole semi-trailer. But they're more than one pallet of things you can stick in the back of a box truck. So it's it's become less about the time frame, just because now hotshots are regulated the same as a semi. Like we still have to run ELDs, which are electronic logbooks, which are little stupid computers that tell you how long you can drive. <laughs> um, so that that whole needing a hotshot because you need it fast is kind of a mute point because a semi can get it there just as fast, most likely.
1: Yeah, I guess when you're when you have the same driving regulations. You can't really do much faster. Yeah. So
0: that part of it's kind of gone away. There is still some of that just because, um, you can still be slightly quicker in a hot shot. You know, you, you're not towing as much weight, shorter, less fuel stops. Uh, you can get in and out of places faster because you're just smaller and more maneuverable. Um, so there, I mean, there's still in a market for the, I need it and I need it now stuff, but that, that's dwindled a lot. So don't think you're going to be this badass outlaw chucker because you're getting hired on some for some dude who has f- some hot shot trucks. Mm-hmm. It's,
1: so do, you, do you recommend getting your CDL first or going to work, apply for a company that's hiring drivers and then have them pay for it? If they're going to pay for it, especially now with the new regulation saying you have to do school, I would go that route. Because um, I know like Halliburton years ago, they would make you sign a contract that you have to work for them X amount of years. Yeah,
0: that's who I went with. And it, it was one year at the time. Okay. Um, I didn't stay <laughs> here, full <laughs> disclaimer but uh, we left on good terms and they had no no issue with me when I left and they didn't ask me to pay back for the school oh perfect so but that also depends I, I know a couple of guys who left like assholes and they did get their last check kept because they didn't you know they left like assholes yeah um so yeah that's that's another huge industry you could look into is trucking um I guess some, some more that I know just from my experiences are, um, my experience is mostly construction, uh, like, uh, infrastructure type of work, not necessarily houses. So if you, if someone says, Hey, uh, we got a construction job that, that can mean a lot of different things. So there's a few things like I did, uh, underground drilling, which is a pretty popular industry. And that's another industry that you could pretty much always start you know, your first day out of school or just your first day walking up, you're probably started as a labor and you'll have to do a bunch of grunt work, which could be loading rods on a drill by hand, which are just these big 20 foot heavy metal rods that go underground. Um, so you need
1: to at least be able to pick up 50 plus pounds. Generally.
0: I mean, and honestly, if you guys actually read an application closely, almost every application you read is going to ask you to do that. Yeah. Um, So directional drilling is an industry and that is, uh, it's a good one to get in and get going. Uh, it can take you places or it can take you nowhere. It's kind of what you make of it. Mm -hmm. That is an industry that I knew nothing about until the day I started in it. Like that industry didn't even exist where I came from. And that's uh, kind of what I, this podcast is about is some of those industries. Uh,
1: I never knew what they were on the side of the road. I was just like, oh, yeah,
0: they're doing something cool. I don't know what it is. Those pipes are going in the ground. What goes in there? Yeah. yeah. Like that's uh, that's an industry. And, I mean, we could probably actually bring some people on to the show eventually that could talk more about that industry. I don't want to get too in the weeds about the industry itself. But um, directional drilling companies is a construction job. Let's say you're starting at the bottom there, that's gonna be a labor-intensive job. You'll be digging a lot with a shovel. You'll be using a Hydrovac a lot uh, or a VAC trailer, which is a trailer towed behind a chuck, which uses water and suction to dig a hole, basically. Which is a very
1: preferred method nowadays. It's a lot safer. It's very dirty. It's the worst job. I <laughs> hate it. <laughs> it. It should have been on Micro's Dirty Jobs, but it's a preferred method nowadays.
0: Yeah. it's. Uh, it doesn't require you to use any shovels or equipment, so when you're digging, ar- digging around power lines or water lines or old petroleum lines they want to use that cuz the water won't damage it and it's safer for you most of the time if you're you won't, do, you're
1: doing it the right way. Yeah, you won't blow up and kill people when you strike it with a suction truck compared to an excavator bucket. Yeah, not fun.
0: Um, so there 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 would be one industry I know a little bit about and uh, you could, that's another one, like I was talking to John earlier, if you go to there to be an operator or you say you can operate, don't always expect to run up and see an excavator or a dozer. You're going to walk up to a directional drone and be like, what the hell is this thing?
1: Yeah, and then you have to learn pitches, grades and all sorts of stuff because you're shooting metal underground that you can't see yeah you're drilling horizontally
0: so you're you're poking into the ground at an angle and then you're using a tool head to push your rod and drill horizontally under the ground at certain depths under and over you other existing utilities and then out the ground 500 feet later (laughs) and hopefully nothing bad happens yep (laughs) um so if you if you hear a directional drilling company and you're a younger person expect to be a laborer and just doing a lot of manual shovel digging moving rods picking up after people uh Lot of shovel and rake work, and on the reclamation side of that, if you're like if you're helping the guy who's setting handholes, you're going to be spending a shit ton of time with a shovel and a rake. What's a handhole? A handhole. So, on the telecommunication side of directional drilling, because directional drilling can be anything from drilling in a telephone cable to a house to a you know 60 inch
1: pipeline. Yeah, you have to bore underneath rivers.
0: Yep. So it, it, it can go, That's I guess that's a good point to make. Directional drilling on its own has subsets. So I did telecommunications. So we were not quite just drilling single little cables to somebody's house so they could have a phone or internet. We were drilling infrastructure for cell phone companies and cell towers all around the Denver metro area. So we were sticking in two inch and a quarter conduits under the entire city. And everywhere the drill pokes in and pokes out, we would have to go dig a hole and splice those pipes together or set a handhole, which is a concrete box or a plastic box in the ground, which is where they would put like a splice point for the actual cable once they push it through the conduit. Like a trench box almost or what? Or no? Uh, a t- so a trench box is like, you know, that's what they set in the hole so the hole yeah. can't cave in. It's same thing except it's going to have a lid on it. Oh, okay. and it could be anywhere from 12 inch by 12 inch
1: to six. Oh, by six oh okay. Foot. Almost like, a um, like for like a sprinkler s- box. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So you
0: could have one literally the size of a sprinkler box, or you could have one the size of a semi truck. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> yeah. We didn't do the semi truck ones. That's usually when you're doing like a main backbone and that's going to be a big job for like the big cell communication companies. Oh, I got I got you. So directional drilling is a job that has multiple paths that you could always look into and it could lead to being a laborer. It could lead to being an equipment operator, a truck driver, a foreman, a project coordinator, anything.
1: Well, they, if you start as a laborer, how do you learn to run the drill?
0: Just like we were talking about earlier, you got to go sit on someone's lap until they let you. (laughs) I mean, that's the truth of it. Usually. So if, if if you go there and you're a laborer, say you're already there and you're a laborer and you want to get on that drill, Go hang by that guy all day. Yeah. He's going to be smoking three packs of cigarettes and drinking four Red Bulls, and you're going to just sit there and Go talk to him. Go buy him a
1: pack of smokes <laughs> on lunch.
0: You're going to be sitting there and talk to him the whole time, sharing stogies with him. Um, so generally, the, the how that works is they're going to start letting you pull back. So that's when they get the drill head to the other side of the bore. It's going to come out of the ground. They're going to hook some pipes or some cables or whatever you're pulling back, and then they're going to let you pull back because the hole's already drilled. So the risk is super minimal
1: at that yeah. point. Um, now you're just pulling what you put in the ground. So back now
0: out. they're going to sit you on that machine and they're going to teach you the reverse process, which is pulling all those rods back. Okay. And then after you do that, you know, slowly but surely, just like I was saying, you know, how I got to do cl- fill the hole and then load the trailer, then dig the hole where it was safe. Same thing. They're going to start letting you drill a short
1: shot, mm-hmm. a shot where there's no utilities you have to cross. Yeah. We have this. Farmer's field that has nothing underneath yeah. of it, so there's n- no risk here. Yeah,
0: or or like you know, in my industry, it was smaller stuff. So it'd be like uh, we're drilling a cr- under this parking lot. There's no water lines, no gas lines in this parking lot. It's just straight 500 feet. Yeah, um, and then on the whole flip side of that thing. It's not just the driller. There's a guy called a locator who carries this magic little box that sends a signal down to the tool head so they can actually track that tool head the entire time they're boring and watch those pitches and angles you were talking about.
1: Make sure they are staying in the straight line they need to. That we're not, They're not veering off track. Yep,
0: and that's, that's what we call a locator. And if you want to be that guy, that guy, it's a little harder mentally. You have to be... I don't want to say you have to be good at math, but you got to have a lot of common sense. Mm -hmm. You have to be able to do a little bit of math. Um, It's not as hard as it sounds. A lot of locators are going to make it sound like they're doing brain surgery. It's not that bad, but it can be. There are some areas where you got to be really good at what you're doing to get through it without causing damage. Um, Depending on the company, I've worked for... A company that seemed to value their drillers more than their locators which didn't really make sense to me because honestly once you learn how to run the drill it looks so intimidating at first but once you do it you're like i could teach my kid how to do this
1: well i mean at the same time if you're the locator you're the guy following it so you when you come up to a high pressure gas line you need to make sure that your bore tip is not anywhere near that high pressure gas line
0: yeah and you got to be thinking about that 40 feet before you're even close to it yeah you want to make sure it's because you're you're making preemptive decisions so you're telling your driller start pushing your drill at this angle now because Mm -hmm. in 20 feet we need to be 36 inches deep instead of 48 inches yeah or we need to be eight feet deep instead of four feet yeah you got to be thinking way ahead of the game
1: or or yeah or there's a 10 foot Creek coming up. We need to get underneath that. But
0: on the flip side, what a lot of guys forget to tell you is a good driller needs a good locator and a good locator needs a good driller. Yep. Cause you can't pair a good one with a shitty one, no matter what, cause yep. a great locator will, uh, he'll know how to get that tool head where he wants it. But if the driller can't maneuver that, that machine, the way it needs to be maneuvered underground, and that locator's trying to get you to get to a certain depth at a certain angle by a certain point, and you're in some, say, super sandy soil, and you don't know how to how to drill through that type of soil because mm-hmm. you've only been drilling in rock for two years, like, it, you could be useless. Like, yeah. we, we had guys that came from doing big, huge bores, which are way different than the small, tedious stuff we did. It's like going from, you know, digging a lake to digging... Like digging a lake, you're just digging one great big a hole. One, with one massive big hole equipment. compared yeah. to a backyard pool. Yeah, exactly. And you have to be a backyard pool with power lines all around it and a house and a foundation and a sewer line. And right neighbors. Exactly. So there, there's that aspect. So if you're looking into the directional drilling industry, I mean, it's a good industry. It'll teach you a lot of ethics for sure. It um, will not only work, but personally, I mean, the industry honestly too is a pretty – it can be, Some areas of it are a really dirty industry, but not some great people.
1: <laughs> what are some other, I guess, trades or fields of work that are hot, in your opinion? Some that uh, I've... You know,
0: everybody wants to be a welder with a cool pickup truck with some big 24-inch American Forces on it. I swear to God, if
1: another welding rig from Texas cuts me off I'm going to go nuts
0: <laughs> welders yeah welders are a peculiar bunch for sure That you, you're either going to love them or hate them um,
1: <laughs> I love to hate them
0: yeah I know a lot that feel the same um, like I said I my experience with welders is Actually, mostly good because I worked on a small crew that had only a handful of welders, and most of them are really good guys. Um, I mean, occasionally, when we got to bigger jobs, though, you got to meet all those shithead welders that give them all bad names. Yeah.
1: On the on the flip side, welders are somewhat important.
0: They're super. Important. <laughs> you know, there's no no need to dig a hole if there's no one there to weld the pipe together. Yeah. Um, welding's always a good one. You're gonna. It's high paid, but it will require a lot of traveling. So. If you're an older guy and you think you can weld and you wanna just go buy a truck and dooley and you think you're gonna be home every night, that's, that's chances are slim.
1: Um, uh, I mean unless you open like your own shop and people bring you yeah, projects to that, work on. That would be a different
0: kind of welding. Uh I guess I should clarify the welding I'm speaking to is more like uh oil filled or construction type of welding where you're welding in steel pipe that's going underground or doing fabricating welding for some kind of structure. Um, I guess
1: in a shop, that would be more machinist almost. Yeah,
0: those guys do a lot of traveling. Um, Now, welding in a shop, you know, that's also another good career path. You know, not everything is a pipeline welder. There's a lot of stuff that gets welded and built inside of shops and taken to a job site.
1: Mm -hmm. Well, even even welding still needs some sort of schooling because you need to have certain licenses to – or qualifications to prove that you can do this. Yeah. And I'll also say just, a, uh, I mean,
0: your point is important and it is, there are a lot of places that require a further education on welding. You yeah. can't just run in there and be like, I've been welding on dad's, Tractor on his 40 year old Lincoln. And I can't, yeah,
1: I've kept that thing together yeah. for years. Yeah,
0: that's not necessarily the case. But I will also say, I've seen some guys come out to the field and just because they graduated a welding school, they think they should get 45 bucks an hour to be true. the lead welder. That's also not the case. Um, the type of welders I'm experienced with are oil filled welders. And if you want to get into that industry, if you can do a little bit of schooling, that'll definitely help. Um, but you're going to have to get in and you're going to have to be a for a few years. A a welder's helper. You're (laughs) going to be throwing leads around. You're going to be a welder helper for a few years. (laughs) Um, You're going to do whatever he says. You're going to grind all his stuff. You're going to clean his truck. You're going to help him. You're going to hold the heavy end of the pipe while he tacks it together. And then same thing slowly, but surely he's going to say, hey, we're working on a stairway. This doesn't require x-ray certification. You weld up these handrails and I'll double check your work and Mm -hmm. that slowly will evolve into more important welds. Shop welding. Shop welding is always super important. Building trailers, building flatbeds for trucks. Uh, working for a company that outfits construction companies. Um, there's companies out there, guys, that take brand new trucks and they build flatbeds and utility beds for them. Oh yeah, that's that, also a very good you, point. That takes a shop welders and a mechanic skill. So, yeah. Um, that that's another good industry that a lot of people don't know exists, but it's definitely there and it's definitely booming most of the time. Uh, I mean, I know, I know from speaking to a few welders too. There's uh, seems to be a huge, huge uh, gap in pipe fitters. I've heard that there's certain certain areas of the country on certain type of job sites where pipe fitters are going to be making way more than welders because finding a good pipe fitter is getting so hard.
1: Okay, so, so what's a pipe fitter? Because I don't, e- I don't even think I know. I what can't a speak pipe a lot is. because
0: I have never actually done the job. But a pipe fitter is going to be a guy who is in some kind of facility, and this could be an oil field site, a petroleum plant, a refinery. It could be where they make, uh, where they treat and produce milk. It could be any type of thing where you're going to have a lot of, basically, piping. I know the pipe fitter's job is basically they take the job, they plan it out, and they're going to say, we need pipe cut at this length. It needs to go here. We need a bend pipe here. We oh, need okay. An angle so here. almost like
1: the prefab part of it, making Pre- sure they well, have enough bends and enough yep. material and
0: and it's like built. it's like an erector set they have to be able to build the erector set and then take the erector set and build the facility at the same time oh okay so that's a job that i i can't speak too highly about i haven't done it i've been in the distance watching guys do it but just shooting the shit with welders on the job site i've seen some welders saying man we need pipe fitters like okay. we, we got plenty of welders well, there's well, yeah, guys I mean, who can weld all day long, but th- it takes a lot. You got to be good at math. You got to be good at communication. You got to be, you got to have a strong work ethic. You can't, you can't guesstimate like, yeah, you well, yeah. do like, 24 foot of this and throw a 90 on the end and it'll fit and then you build this whole facility and everything's off two inches and nothing bolts together and now you have all this pipe welded together that's useless
1: then then you blame the engineers <laughs> they but sometimes
0: those things got real strict blueprints that don't lie and when you go and say no yeah blueprints it says, are perfect when it says
1: albert was the pipe fitter yeah. albert's the guy getting in trouble exactly i'm a guesstimator that's why i not never a pipe fitter. but i mean that's a good point because i mean we're we, were we from it was a big oil and gas industry so like we said welders and a lot of people i know coming out of high school they want to be welders it was always welder this welder that i'm going to be a fabricator i don't think i've ever heard anyone say i'm going to go be a pipe fitter
0: yeah and that's that's exactly what uh i guess what this episode's about is uh, those jobs out there you, you hear someone looking for a pipe fitter or a pipe fitter's apprentice or a pipe fitter labor whatever they want to label it as if 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 you have an idea of the industry you know of metal work construction work oil field work and you think it's somewhere you want to be in a a long time
1: yeah you want to make it your life career
0: now pipe fitter is also a job i wouldn't say you want to go do for two years and leave like that's a that's a job you should probably dedicate to you know um if you're looking for jobs to do for a couple years and leave go be a truck driver
1: Yeah. Yeah. If you're just looking to make money, you know, save up, move or buy something or something like that. Yeah. Truck driver, some sort of equipment operator, because even if you have your CDL or you learn how to run equipment, you'll be able to do that for almost ever.
0: Oh yeah. And basically, you know, companies understand that, you know, high turnover rates for certain positions. Yeah. Somebody like if you have an older pipe fitter who knows what he's doing, he doesn't want to spend a year or two teaching some kid that's like, Hey, I'm going to college in two years. Like, yeah, he's I'm, gonna say, I'm just doing this to pay him tuition. Yeah, he's like, no, I, I'm not going to waste my time teaching that guy. And welders are honestly the same too. Welders. A welder helpers are a high turnover rate. Cause welders can be hard on their helpers. Yeah. But I've seen a lot of welders say I'm hard on that motherfucker. Cause he's not going to last. He's like, I'm not going to waste my time teaching everything I've taken 15, 20 years to learn to this kid. Who's just going to get his truck repoed next month. Cause he doesn't well, know what I, he's, doing. I
1: understand that point, but at the same time, just fire the kid. Oh I, yeah. But at the same time, you also need a warm body. You need that helper. Yeah. So it's a, it's a double-edged sword at the same time, but pick your job and be serious about it. I would,
0: you, well, either, if it's going to be for two years. Definitely. I would definitely recommend that is pick your job, pick it, be serious about it. Um, guess we should probably get back to the main theme of this thing. <laughs> so some, some more jobs, you know, that I told my brother when he asked, you know, I was talking to, I said, hey, you know, if you want a job that lasts a long time, there's jobs like a pipe fitter. Those jobs are never going to go away. Um, iron workers, building, still building building skyscrapers in cities. Those I did
1: that for a month on a coal mine in, in Wyoming. And I found out real quick, I do not like heights because I don't want to be strapped off to within my, my harness and fall off of a four inch I beam and then have my nuts explode from the harness when I fall. And I found out real quick. I am scared of heights. (laughs) Yeah. But that's, that's a job out there that a lot
0: of people, it's not at the top of your list. Like I said, people say, Hey, I want to go work construction. They think, uh, I'm going to go run equipment and move dirt or I'm going to build a house. Yeah, You know, there's a lot, there's a lot of other jobs that all revolve around that same, that same simple statement. Um, So, you have, you know, those type of jobs. Some other ones I know that a lot of people don't look seriously at, but they could is, uh, you know, building a house. Most people think when building a house, they're like, oh, there's plumbers and electricians and roofers. Well, framers make really good money. And then also foundation. Foundation guys can make good money. Concrete. Concrete work is also great. Um, Some other jobs, let's say you're looking for some long-term ones that people don't think about is one I talked about was being a CNC machinist. That is a job that I didn't know anything about until I got hired to do it. Yeah. You know, that's not a job they tell you about in school. You know, when you're in school, They say you can be a plumber, you can be an electrician, you can be a trash man, you can be
1: this, that, or the other. They're not going to pay you to look out a window. But here we are driving (laughs) trucks and driving John Deere farm tractors getting paid to look out a damn window. Yeah,
0: that's always a funny saying to go back on. My other favorite (laughs) one is you're never just going to have a calculator in your pocket all the time. (laughs) And here we have cell phones that does everything. Um, So I guess some other ones I'd say, you know, framers – Uh, Landscapers, you know, you guys, if you get good at landscaping and you get good at running a crew, that can be a really lucrative career because landscaping, it's not just in the summer laying sod, you know, there's a lot. Especially
1: like wintertime, you can turn that into installing Christmas lights. Landscaping can turn into a very creative, almost art, because you can get very, again, creative with it. You can do so many different things.
0: Yeah. And trash truck, I know they say that in school and they talk down on it, guys, but trash truck drivers make pretty good money.
1: Yeah. You know.
0: Uh, it's
1: smelly and dirty, but it, uh, yeah. so is everything else. Oh,
0: yeah. And then, I mean, it's, it's not as bad as it looks, you know. You get to drive around the truck, pick up trash cans, dump it on top of your truck, and then you go drive your truck to a dump, dump your truck, and then that's kind of, that's the job. It's, yeah. I mean, it comes with its complications. I'm sure a trash truck guy will be listening and say. Hey guy, there's a lot more, to <laughs> but no, I mean, but he would agree probably that there needs to be more good trash truck drivers out there.
1: Yeah. And it's, I mean, you've, you've mentioned it already. The school doesn't teach you, high school generally does not teach you or promote our type of work. They want you to learn their system. They want you to learn everything that they say and then go to college and then get in all this debt and then potentially not even be able to use that degree you went to school for
0: when it's more rare to actually use that degree for what it was entitled for yeah like
1: (laughs) before we even started recording for this one i we mentioned that i wanted i love music and i wanted to potentially work on the radio and be a dj host because one of my favorite radio hosts does the morning show here i found out that there is not a very demanding job opening for that so why would i spend all that time for a job that i can't i can't even guarantee
0: oh yeah absolutely
1: when i can go out and make a career driving a darn tractor
0: well yeah and that's that's a big point you know for this podcast too is there's a lot of jobs that aren't out there guys they don't need more therapists they don't need more radio hosts well all
1: right i'm gonna say yes on therapists because maybe we shouldn't get into this just yet (laughs) yeah In, in a sense yes but there's also a lot of behind the scenes stuff for that.
0: I think they need more good therapists. I just think if you don't know what you want to go, if you don't, if you don't already know you want to be a therapist and help people, I don't think you should try to do it. If if you've already got that on your mind and spent on your mind for a while, then you should pursue it. But that is another podcast. Like you said. So anyway, John, what are some, (laughs) (laughs) what are some other blue collar jobs you can think of that,
1: you know, the average person might not even know exists um we have we have some mutual friends that started one they started their own company they started um installing septic systems and leach fields for houses that was the way they started so there's always that which is labor work you get a lay pvc pipe in the ground and in that kind of area you can learn how to run a backhoe very or a mini x Fairly quick. Cause if you're doing a septic system in a leach field, you're going to have a fairly good open area to run that piece of equipment.
0: Oh yeah. And what's another job related to that specifically that most people probably don't know about sewer. Yeah. You were talking about it earlier getting those tanks cleaned out.
1: Yeah. Sometimes you have to drive a suction shit truck. So that's always an option when you have that CDL, but also would hauling that consider needing a hazmat as hazardous material I honestly don't know. As human waste? When I had my hazmat, I only
0: hauled diesel. I really don't know anything outside of (laughs) hauling diesel.
1: (laughs) I never got my hazmat. I I don't want to haul shit. I had it, and then I let it go, to be honest. Because that's just a lot more paperwork and
0: just another entire... It it wasn't too bad once you get it. You just had to renew it every so often. But by the time my renewal came up, I hadn't needed it for over a year. Yeah. So I just didn't bother renewing it.
1: I gotcha. Yeah.
0: I do regret that, by the way. So if you have a hazmat and you're not
1: using it, just keep up on it. Yeah, you, it's a CDL. Keep up on all of it because you never know when... It's just another tool in the belt to have. Absolutely. Um, and then... Trying to think of some other good jobs. I mean, if there's... Depending on the title, if they have the word apprentice, it's normally something you want to go after obviously you want to look at the pay. You don't want to be a free apprentice, but if you like we said, welder's helper. That's kind of a, an apprentice job because yeah. you're going to eventually become a welder. Hopefully yep. we have a friend that's a plumber who, who got his journeyman's he's working on his, was it after that masters or something like yeah. that? But that comes with X amount of experience in years. And then to get your journeyman's before that, you have to have X amount of years and pass certain tests. And then you're an apprentice before that. So that comes with being say alignment, Mm -hmm. that does power lines there you
0: go there's a job a lot of people unless you're kind of around a lot of people don't think about it but a lineman career
1: can be a very
0: good career yeah
1: and you can do some pretty cool stuff we've done a bunch of training videos where they you get to ride helicopters and then get you come off the helicopters and then climb on power poles oh yeah um i guess another one
0: to throw into the mix of jobs people probably don't think too often about would be like electricians, honestly, electricians, they, uh, my dad's an electrician. So I actually know a lot about the industry, but I know a lot of people in school, like I say, or when you're younger, or even if you're not young and you're just not even near the industry and you're just looking at it from a window, you know, you think most people think of roofers build, uh, and then they think of like contractors, like a general contractors Mm -hmm. who builds a house. They don't understand that there's plumbers that have to work around electricians, electricians that have to work around plumbers, drywallers who have to work around both yeah, of those guys. I was about guys. to say drywall. And then you got the guys who come in and do fancy tile floors and countertops and cabinets. <laughs> Cabinet guys are also a really good career to look into if that's something you're interested in. Cabinet guys can make really good money if they're good at what they do. Yeah, that's
1: almost like landscaping because you can get super creative if you have the time and patience to work on stuff like oh, that. Oh, yeah. Um, Basically, let's... if there's anything in a house there is like that you are looking at, there's a job to specifically make that yep and install um, it
0: uh, fire systems and commercial buildings like putting in sprinkler systems uh, that's another job a lot of people don't really know about but there is a very large career base behind just doing that installing sprinkler systems for buildings. Mm-hmm. Another job I know people probably don't think too much about would be like a locksmith guys, car locksmiths can make some really good money because <laughs> they're like cops. You have to call them when you don't want to. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's either that or you're going to break a window. Yeah. But it, I mean, if you're an automotive guy and that's something you're kind of interested in now, granted you have to go learn how to do that. That's probably not a job you want to just do for a year or two and then go to school or something yeah. for something different. But that is just another job that people don't know exists. That does exist. Um, some other odd jobs I know exist that most people probably don't would be um, like uh, drive-away drivers. There's guys who get paid to go pick up a brand new box truck for Penske from Kenworth, the manufacturer, and they have to drive it from Kenworth to Penske or campers or RVs. A lot of RVs, not a, not a pull-behind camper, but an RV you drive, a class B. The, mo- the motorhome? Yeah, motorhome most of those don't get transferred by trailer to where they're going. Do you
1: need a CDL to drive a motorhome? Some do. Yeah. Depending on the
0: size. Yeah. Some are going to probably require that and they might even require it for everything
1: for insurance purposes. Oh, okay. Um, I didn't even think, yeah, I didn't, I never thought about that.
0: Yeah. And if you're doing it for work, you probably do because it's commercial. Um, so, uh, like those box trucks you see, FedEx and Amazon and all them driving, those honestly a lot of times get shipped to a holding yard, and then they got to hire driveaway drivers to drive them from that holding yard to where they're going. Um, another odd job I know my mom did for a little while was she was a test car driver for Mopar. So she would take— What? Yeah, she would take—Dodge would come out with like the year or two— You know those vehicles you see and they have all the weird stickers on them, so you kind of can't tell what they are? Yeah. And they have like a tarp on them and shit. She did that for a little while, where for eight hours a day they would be like, "Here is like uh, I think she drove the mega cab. No If you need someone to drive a Hellcat, call me. <laughs> <laughs> I think she drove like the mega cab Dodge Dually pickups before they actually came out. I'll drive one too. Yeah, she. I want to uh, drive that. Yeah, she. Uh, she got to drive those before they actually came out for sale when they were still a prototype. So they're like, "Hey, go drive this truck around for eight hours, and then you write a report on what you like and don't like about it."
1: Oh, so basically you, you review the new vehicles. Yeah. I also, when I was in high school trying to figure out what I wanted to do and just get work, I heard that there was a job to drive vehicles from one dealership to the next. I don't know if that's true or not. Yeah. I've Haley worked at a dealership for a while. Um, I think they called those guys porters. Okay. I thought that i always thought that would be cool just to yep i need this chevy cobalt moved from this dealership to 100 miles this way haley has got two fun stories about that she got to drive a
0: really sweet supercharged cadillac ctsv one time she also got to
1: purchase a pickup truck bed for a brand new pickup Hmm. she might have damaged (laughs) (laughs) but seriously dodge if you want me to drive a hellcat call me
0: yeah so the, i mean that's that's an odd job a lot of people don't know exists i've also delivered for my trucking company i've delivered uh some like dodge sprinter vans to pike peak raceway where they literally had guys paid there to go drive them in a circle on this racetrack pikes peak where's that uh Colorado springs oh okay they literally got paid to just drive these stupid vans in circles on this racetrack <laughs> just to try to wear things out and see what wears out okay um So there's obviously, I don't know how you'd get into that, but I know it exists because I had to deliver the cars there and talk to the people who were taking.
1: That's interesting. That's all. I'm always curious on how they figure out what the life expect expectancy is on stuff and what, Breaks and how we can make it better. Yeah,
0: that, I mean they had some Hellcats there too. They were testing on the truck. They never called me. <laughs> so I doubt. I doubt. As entry level, you get to test the Hellcat. <laughs> the you, might, you might get the boring Sprinter van that only goes like sixty-two miles. Well, I mean
1: hour. a Hellcat's one thing. If they want me to drive the demon, I will do some training for a drive one of those.
0: <laughs> yeah, but so I mean, there, guys, there's a lot of odd jobs. I would always recommend like uh, just talking to your neighbors or talking to your peers and say, what do you do? Like, you, I've, I've, I've met some weird people that are like, what do you do for a living? And, like, what you would think they do is not what they do. Like, one of my neighbors behind me, he is a, uh, I don't want to say too much without his permission, but he, he operates for uh, an airport, all the telecommunication stuff that goes on there. Oh, okay. And And if you look at him, that's not what you would think. <laughs> so let's do some rapid fire here. One of the things we were talking about is just jobs that people... A lot of people wouldn't know about so some of those would be like railroad work there's a lot of jobs still on the railroad that people don't even know about you know they're not just hammering in rails and spikes anymore there's uh there's was a shitload of jobs maintenance uh i talked to a guy who rode around and his job was to like push a button and just drop rocks anywhere in the country where the rock was too low in the railroads
1: oh yeah there's a lot of for, railroads is always going never yeah. stopping
0: lot of labor and then railroad, uh, like, yards where they're keeping all their surplus supplies and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've hauled out of those places before. So, there's a lot of jobs there just for, you know, operating a forklift, loading trucks, stuff like that. Um, another quick one would be city workers. You know, city workers are always needed, especially in these rural towns, you know, throwing events, stuff like that. Uh, John, you talked about
1: window cleaners and window tinners. Yep. Skyscrapers need to stay clean and put that mirror film on there to bounce heat back off of them.
0: Yeah, there's definitely, uh, windows are always getting dirty. Uh, another job was, uh, everyone knows about it, but people sometimes don't realize how good it can pay is uh, warehouse workers. Those guys uh always in demand and seem to make pretty good money.
1: Yeah, I, I pulled it up on Indeed, and the range is anywhere between 20 to 30 an hour, depending on where and experience. Um. You mentioned demo guys.
0: Those guys, uh, once again, always in need, you know, buildings are old. They're getting torn down all the time. And, uh, it's a real simple job. A lot of people don't think about it. They got to go tear them down. Someone's got to clean all that stuff. Yeah, up,
1: Especially when McDonald's wants to tear down an old place and put a new restaurant in, you need to, you need a cleanup crew. Oh yeah.
0: Uh, x-ray techs in the oil field. That's a, that's one I definitely didn't know about until I actually seen them and seen them in action. Uh, you know, you usually think x-ray and you just think the dentist's office or the doctors or whatever. Uh, any, any type of high-pressure pipe that gets welded together, they usually x-ray that, whether it's, you know, oil-filled, uh, refineries, uh, probably, you know, anywhere that, that they're dealing with high-pressure pipe. They have yeah. to x-ray that and actually look for impurities, impur- impurities inside the weld and flaws. Um,
1: yeah, they don't want that weld, that pipe, and those two joints coming apart and oh, potentially hurting people. Yeah, definitely not.
0: And they, uh, they definitely don't. You know, it's probably a great job. Uh, the guy I talked to, you know, it was a real easy entry level. He just kind of applied for a, I think a listing he seen on Craigslist or Indeed, and you know, you just learn in the field. It's you, there's not a lot of education that goes into it you can do beforehand you kind of got to get into it and then once you're in it you kind of get field field education and then there's a few classes and courses you do get some certifications uh another good one that a lot of people don't even know about are land surveyors uh i know you have to deal with those guys quite a bit and we did too those guys uh once again, super low barrier to entry. You can usually just apply for a job and they'll send you out with someone who's experienced who teaches you uh, how to do it.
1: Yeah. Whether it's civil work, new construction, pipeline, there's always going to be a grade stake somewhere and um, boundary lines that it, need to be installed. Definitely. And then uh, my favorite
0: that you mentioned, and once again, with a low, low barrier to entry is utility locators.
1: Yep. that it, It's a quick one. Sometimes you get a company vehicle and you just go out there and locate lines. Yeah. That'd be one of those good jobs. If you just need a
0: job for a while to get a paycheck, that's definitely one, uh, easy for you to get into. And they'd probably love to have you. It seems like they're always hiring like crazy, but it's, it's also something you could turn into a long term career if you wanted to.
1: Yeah. I do. I do prefer you take that one somewhat serious because you are putting potentially put lives on the line because when you locate and tell me that there's a high pressure gas line underneath me and I dig there and I hit it, it's, it's on someone's fault, whether you mismarked it, that it wasn't there or whatever it is. It's also a very serious job at the same time.
0: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I'm not saying don't take it serious, but I'm saying, uh, you know, it could be a job you only do for a year or two yep. and then, and then move on. Um, but yeah, definitely do a good job. Cause there are going to be a lot of people who's not only is their s- their job counting on yours, but their safety and their life could be yep. kind of in your hands, whether you think it or not directional drilling. We hit a lot of stuff underground yep. and, uh, some of it was our fault and some of it was, you know, uh, a locator marked a line, and the line was actually, uh, he marked it 10 feet away and it was actually right where we were working. Yep. Um, ditch riders, you know, if you're in a rural area, ditch riders are usually in high demand, uh, out where we live, there's not a lot of groundwater and stuff. So a lot of water gets, uh, routed from reservoirs out to the farmers and stuff. And those ditches, they need to stay clean and they need all those gates and stuff need to stay functional.
1: Yeah. You don't want to piss off a farmer cause he doesn't have water.
0: Yeah. That's the last one. <laughs> <laughs> and then a, a good one you mentioned, um, was gravel pits. Uh, gravel pits are super, you know, kind of in the background. You, you, you see them sometimes when you're driving down the road, you might think about them if you're doing some landscaping in your yard, but those guys are digging up aggregate to use on job sites, highways, uh, soil, soil stabilization, fill dirt, and fill dirt. Um, they're always in demand, and I think you said they took some some certifications that are actually quite valuable.
1: Yeah, it, you have to go through MSHA because it does classify as mineral excavation in mining. So it falls under the MSHA law, which is nowhere near OSHA. So it's definitely defil- different training that you have to stay qualified on to be a, be a part of.
0: Yeah, and I would also say on the whole gravel pit thing is there's a lot more, too, than just mining and digging and moving massive amounts of aggregate around, you know, those guys use a lot of fabricators and mechanics too. Mm -hmm. Um, When that equipment goes down, they don't have time to wait for a caterpillar to come out and take 10 years to figure it out. Um,
1: They got trucks sitting at the door waiting to get loaded. You get that shit fixed now.
0: Oh yeah. And there's a, there's a long line of people usually behind them where they're, you know, that truck needs to get loaded. That truck needs to get to a job site where those workers need to do what they need to do with whatever aggregate they're hauling. So it could, it could cost a lot of people, a lot of money. So there's not a lot of room for downtime there. And with that goes, you know, they're using a lot of screening machines and machines to separate different sizes of aggregate conveyor belts, all that type of stuff. It gets war on, it gets beat down hard and it gets broken a lot. And I actually do know somebody that we used to go to school with who that's his industry now. And that's what he does. He, he works at mine's in gravel pits where he's paid to fix broken shit and fix it now and fix it good yep and they they've traveled him around the country to fix certain things take certain classes um so you know he's he's uh he's gotta be proficient in welding fabricating you know mechanic work he's gotta know some stuff about engines and all kinds of stuff and he gets paid well for it and they uh he's in high demand he's gotten like I said they've taken him around the country he's gotten job offers all over the country so,
1: plus when that pit runs out on their lease, they have to pack everything up and move it to where they have their next lease, which might be a mile or away or you know just down the road, but they still have to now take everything apart, disassemble it and then transport it and then reassemble it and, and start all over again. And usually in the fastest
0: way possible. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah guys uh we did a little rapid fire there at the end like I said just to make sure we gave you guys a little list of jobs and it's a subject I'm sure we'll touch a lot more often here and there throughout as as time goes especially when we bring in some other guests there's just there's so much to cover I guess it'd be it'd be kind of uh silly of us to you, try you to You can't fit could, it in one episode. Yeah, try to do it in one episode in under a few hours. We could
1: probably go on and on and on and on and on forever. Uh <clears throat> So, but yeah, to, to end it, we have our social medias again. We have Instagram, the underscore blue collar underscore syndicate because the people won't give up the original Facebook, the blue collar syndicate podcast, TikTok, blue collar syndicate pod. And then Albert is working on a YouTube that I don't have down yet.
0: Yeah. It, it should just be the blue collar syndicate on YouTube. Um, Once we start getting some content going, we'll make clips and highlight reels and throw them up there. And, you know, maybe if it's worth the time, we'll throw full-length videos up there. Um, If you guys have anything you do want to let us know about, feel free to uh, reach out. (laughs) 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 Sorry, inside joke there. But feel, feel free to reach out and let us know some subjects you'd like us to talk about or mention or even if we got to do a little research so we can don't sound like fools when we talk about it definitely
1: definitely let us know let us know what you think we'll talk about it
0: yeah so wherever you're seeing this and you know make sure you like all our social medias you know that stuff actually matters so do what you can and support us in the best way you can
1: yep thanks guys see ya